0: You're listening to episode 243 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I cannot believe we're already in June. This year is flying by. We have the annual energy forecast episodes coming up soon, and I know so many are looking forward to those. But today, we're getting a dose of thought leadership and empowerment, and we're even learning about social media monogamy. Yes, I said it. You heard it, and this week's guest, Eva Jonetta, is breaking it down for us. Eva helps bold women leaders define the status quo, amplify their influence, and expand their wealth and power. She offers thought leadership strategy and advisory services, as well as communication support. Her big goal is to end gender and racial discrimination. Eva grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, and today she lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her partner. While you're listening today, Be sure to screenshot to share that you're listening, put that on Instagram stories, tag me in it at MindBizLife. Let's start a conversation. This episode is brought to you by Spiritually Seeking. When you go to spiritually-seeking.com and enter the promo code podcast at checkout, you can save 20% on numerology reports, affirmation cards, and life guidance sessions. All you've got to do is head to spiritually-seeking.com and enter podcast at checkout. Are you ready to meet Eva? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go.
1: You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life, conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith.
0: Hey Eva, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you join me today. Hey Lauren, good to be here. We were connected through Mac Monroe, one of my faves. And while I have many questions on deck for you today, I would love to learn a little bit more about you. So, tell us more about the journey that led you to becoming a more passionate about helping women leaders defy the status quo.
1: Okay, so I guess I'll, let me take you back to when I was about five. Ooh, so, like, little story time. Back. <laughs> Yeah, so um, when I was five, so I was in Maryland. You know, we both grew up in Maryland, which is a fun thing we have in common. And um, I had a a really fun neighborhood. We had a lot of kids around my age in the neighborhood. And I remember one day, I was playing football with some neighbors, and my neighbor from across the street. I threw the football. It was my turn, and he said to me, "You throw like a girl." Mm. And At the time, you know, those words are just like a statement of fact. I identify as a girl. And so what other way could I possibly throw? But that I could tell from his tone of voice that he wasn't just stating a fact or certainly paying me a compliment. He was really suggesting that there was something wrong with how I was throwing the football. Right. And that's the first memory I have of really getting this sense that there must be something wrong with me for being a girl. Hmm. And so, you know, fast forward many years when I was in university, I took some gender studies classes and I learned about, you know, like the history of different systems of power and oppression and how they kind of work to position certain identities as being authoritative and powerful and having access to resources and other identities. And certainly being female is one of them, um, less access to power and resources and opportunities. And so, that yeah, I really felt like when I was learning about when I was, when I was getting my gender studies degree, actually, like it really felt like a veil was being lifted and it finally started to click. Oh, this is why that comment from my neighbor when I was a kid had such, made such an impression and held so much weight and why I can remember it all these years later. Wow. Yeah. And so when I started my own business, you know, I started actually in social media and marketing. But Love it. Yeah, and that was great. You know, I, I, terrific skill building, and I met a lot of great people, and I learned a lot of great things. But I always felt like it wasn't quite the right niche, quite the right fit for what I really wanted to like put my stake in the ground about. And so, it over time evolved for me to realize what I really want to stand for and what I want to use my skills to facilitate is helping women build their authority, defy the status quo, amplify their influence as thought leaders so that we can, you know, ever, ever slowly but surely change the tide and change our access to authority and resources and power and the ability to make change. And I know that I can use my marketing skills, my communication skills to help more women do that.
0: Oh, I love this so much. Like I feel like there's (laughs) so much to unpack here that I don't even know where to begin, but I'll start with what resonated with me first. And it's actually going back to that five-year-old little girl, because you made me just have an aha moment that I Mm -hmm. had never consciously thought of when I was in elementary school, I think maybe like third, fourth grade, I had a a gym teacher, a male gym teacher, and he would always make these specific comments to the boys when we were playing dodgeball, like boys don't throw it so hard. And it used to just bother me, right? Like, Mm. oh, so I called him out one day and I was like, Mm. you mean boys and girls? And every time that I noticed him saying like, boys don't, you know, like something mm. of like their power, right? Like their strength. Mm. I was always like, and girls. And I remember that by the end of that year, he would go boys and girls and look at wow, me. I, I never thought of that moment. i like, you know what I mean? Like in that way, until you just said that, like, so big aha moment, from the get-go for me, but I love how this moment was so profound in your life and it clicked for you to later then build a business and help other women step into their power. Like how amazing is this?
1: Well, thank you. And yeah, I mean, I think all of us have one or probably many experiences like mine, like yours, where we could tell that there was some, there was a difference that other people were perceiving between boys and girls. and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense when you're a kid. It certainly still doesn't make sense, like logical sense as an adult, but it is how all the whole world around us is structured. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much room for, for change. And, you know, over time, those experiences accumulate and you kind of learn to cope with them. And in a lot of ways for many women that a coping mechanism we often fall into is just kind of holding back, you know, not making any waves, just trying to be accommodating because you have to get through the day. And that can be, those coping mechanisms are very important sometimes, but to, to make change and to make an impact and to make it so that our daughters and granddaughters are less likely to have those kinds of experiences. It's really important to, to make some noise about them. Oh, I love that.
0: So tell us Eva, what is thought leadership at its core? What does that entail?
1: Yeah. So I would say a good definition for thought leader is, well, it's like a person or even an organization that's recognized as an authority in their field so that their expertise is sought after and often rewarded, like, Mm -hmm. you know, paid for. And that's kind of like the industry definition. I also think of it as someone who's using their thinking. So their insights, their experience, their perspective, their opinions to lead others to a new way of thinking or doing or viewing the world. And so you can kind of break it down word by word, which I think is helpful. But what I actually like to work with my clients on is what I call magnetic thought leadership. So it's kind of taking that industry definition and like dialing it up to 11. And what I mean when I talk about magnetic thought leadership is content that's providing provocative insights and a strong position that has an intellectual impact on its audience, and it positions you, the creator, as an authority, helps you build your wealth and helps you pave the way for the social change you want to see.
0: Oh, I like that. So is this kind of what ties into, I see that you're an advocate that leaders practice social media monogamy. Does that kind of tie
1: into that? Break that down for us a little more. Yeah, I love this concept of social media monogamy. And it actually came out of my own just utter frustration with social media. Yeah. And I would, I, which always felt very kind of like awkward for me because I was a, for a long time, a social media manager. Mm-hmm. And I just had this push pull feeling towards it. And in studying my own opinion, my own like feelings about it, and also just having conversations with my peers, other women entrepreneurs, it became very clear to me that almost everyone I talk to has the same love hate relationship or often heavily more into the hate side of things. Yeah. And so, you know, one part of it, so let me back up and what I think happens with the way these apps are designed to be very addictive with the way the algorithms are being tweaked to serve us kind of more and more content that we're going to, that's going to really draw us in it. it, And and with the way they're being harnessed by other entrepreneurs for marketing purposes, it can really create this environment where we, where the, the social media starts to feel like the work. rather than a communication tool that facilitates the work. So true. And so, right, we start like kind of competing with each other, keeping up with the Joneses on Instagram or wherever, and like creating content that panders to the algorithm rather than content that's really important for the impact that we want to have or the legacy that we want to build. And we start feeling like, well, we have to be everywhere because everyone says you need to be everywhere. And what if We have some FOMO and we fear of missing out on an opportunity over on Clubhouse or on TikTok. And it just kind of spirals. Yeah. And at the end of the day, most of this spiraling makes us feel like garbage. And why would we settle when we're working for ourselves for doing something that makes us feel bad? Besides which, I think it's not actually, for many, many women entrepreneurs, very effective to be on multiple social media networks. Rather. The practice that I advocate, social media monogamy, is being very strategic about the social media networks that you choose. I personally only really use one, and that's LinkedIn. You know, Your mileage may vary in terms of what makes sense for your business and your customers, but the idea of really being clear that it's a tool and that every social media network you use, you use it for a specific purpose, and that is all. And I like so- that. Yeah. So tell me what you think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like, no, I like the the concept of social media monogamy because, well, I don't know if, you know, my background is I also started in social media marketing, got that same like burnout of like, It's that love, hate, you know, and then you find so many, I'm sure you work with clients too, and they want to be everywhere. And, Mm but then people also think that your messaging on Instagram is going to be presented the same way as it is on Twitter. And then Mm -hmm. you can just take it and put it on LinkedIn the same way. And that's not how it works. So when you realize that you have to kind of take three steps back and have a strategy for each platform, like. That, that is a little more overwhelming, right? Like you can be like, oh gosh. So there's a strategy for each one. Then it makes more sense to dial in, hone in on one, maybe two, and give more of your energy there than being scattered everywhere and spreading yourself thin.
1: Precisely, Lauren. Yeah, that's exactly it. And for what, right? I mean, I agree. I hear people who are like, I need to be everywhere. And I, I say to them, well, why? Yeah. And usually the answer is something to the effect of, well, like I read somewhere or I heard somewhere or this person that I follow does it. (laughs) And if you kind of dig beneath that preliminary answer, they really aren't clear on their why for using that social media tool. And unless there's a clear answer why, I, I think not having a clear answer is, is an answer, which is that you don't need to use it until you have a clear answer to the why. Ooh, that's really good. You
0: know, I was kind of getting pressured to go on Clubhouse mm-hmm. and I went on and I like sat in on a couple of rooms and I thought, I like, oh, you know, this is like kind of a good tool. But then it hit me that I'm essentially creating, creating content that can't be found again That can't be listened Mm. to again. And I was like, is this where I want to put my energy that I'm sure maybe serving people, but how many, like with the podcast, I can serve someone today and the same podcast can be listened to five years from now. Right. And it's still going to be beneficial in some way. This messaging today is not going to change at its core. Um, So it's still going to be beneficial. But if I do that in Clubhouse, it's a one and done thing. That messaging is gone. So while I can see the benefit in it, for me, it didn't make sense. So it was like, okay, that's not that's not my bandwagon that I'm going to jump on. And I had to be okay with not following my other podcasting peers onto yeah. that platform.
1: That's such a good point, Lauren, which is that we just having to kind of have that that pause to check in with yourself and recognize, okay, I tried this. This is why I don't think it makes sense because I have this other project or this other strategy that ha- that gets me that outcome in a more efficient way. And, and this part is really important, like, and other people are going to do this and it might make me feel weird that I'm not doing it too. And I have to like kind of prepare myself for that.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's so good. And how do you think that you prepare yourself for that from not keeping up with the Joneses? Like what, what mindset shift do you think that comes with, of just being okay with self and doing what, what you're doing and kind of staying in your lane?
1: I think that what what it really helps me is that I I really get a lot of pleasure out of just refusing to do things. Yeah, me too. Yes. (laughs) There's just something so deeply satisfying about that. And perhaps it's because like you, you know, you spend time in school or in a a conventional job and you might really have to do what people say, or your parents, of course, tell you things that you have to do. And so I just really relish just wholesale saying no to things. And so Mm. that's part of what helps me is that I just enjoy the freedom to make that choice. Yeah. But also I just get back to like staying really clear on my lane and my, the outcomes that I want to deliver. And I know that I can, that I have things that I'm doing that are delivering results that I want. And that adding any, if I added anything in something else would suffer. And that's not a trade-off that I'm willing to make. Yeah. And then thirdly, I, I find that I, this has been something that's been really powerful in growing as an entrepreneur is just becoming ever more clear on what feels good to me, like what I'm drawn to versus what I just I kind of maybe feel like I have an obligation to do, versus, but I don't really want to. And, and I just, I don't, I find that I don't like how I feel when I use a lot of social media networks. And so being clear with myself on that helps me again, realize, okay, it's just not, it's just not for me right now.
0: Yeah. I like that. It sounds that you have very clear boundaries and that when in doubt, you listen to your intuition and just like what your body is telling you, because I think sometimes we can get torn. We can get torn in, in that ego mind. That's telling us like, go, go, go do, do, do. But then our body, like we can feel it. We can feel that whether it's anxiety or a hesitation that maybe we can't name. So it sounds like you're just really good with being true to yourself.
1: Thank you, Lauren. It's been a it's been a long time. Yeah, it's not practicing. an overnight <laughs> thing, right? Like th- I think mean, that's important so to know. here like, it. it's not an overnight thing. Like you
0: said, it's practice. So if there's someone listening yeah. today who's maybe like 10 steps behind you, it's just motivation to, to keep going, keep practicing. Like every time that you find yourself not honoring yourself, recognize it and snap yeah. back. You know, give yourself a mm-hmm. little grace and snap back. What are some of the bigger mindset blocks or limiting beliefs that you notice with your clients when it comes to holding them back?
1: Mm. I've been, I've been continually um, just very touched by, you know, I work with some incredible women, women leaders in their fields, like really well-renowned women entrepreneurs and authors and speakers. And they just have so many accolades and I'm, and I'm consistently moved by the fact that they too have the same kind of set of doubts that creep in that Mm. I experience and other people that I've known who aren't at their level of quote unquote success yes and so whether that's like you know simple stuff like does this sound okay or is this valuable enough or um you know what do you think of this idea and just kind of this this very human like you know, we're, most of us are are such social beings and and it helps us to have somebody to to bounce our ideas off of or to get feedback from. And when we try to go it alone, which I think a lot of women entrepreneurs, or I should at least speak for myself, I for a long time felt like I really had to be fiercely independent or else like my success sort of didn't count. Like I was sort of cheating at succeeding if I got help. Interesting. That was a, I mean, it's a preposterous, preposterous right. for one thing, <laughs> the
0: stories we tell ourselves, right. Like-
1: <laughs> and talk about a mindset block. I mean, that really held yeah. back like my, my growth and my acceleration for many years. And so I find, you know, when I, when I work with other women and they're like, they come to me and they're like, man, I really need help. And I, it, it's interesting that it just, I do see consistently some, that it takes, a lot of the women that I know and work with, and certainly myself, time to realize that a we need the help and we can afford to invest. We can choose to invest in the help, and that it'll be worth doing so. And that we, you know, like deserve it. You know, like we're worthy enough, or we're successful enough, or we merit this support.
0: Whoa, that's a huge block that I'm not sure I was conscious of. But you're so right because, I mean, women. I think in general, it it is that like. I can, I think I'm speaking for myself here too. And I'm sure there, there's a woman out here who may disagree, but I think that asking for help is something that's that's almost ingrained in us. And maybe this is like a generational trauma, something that like we all need to work on, but it's just also asking for help and knowing and having a supportive female network to kind of boost you up. Be your cheerleaders, have your back when you feel like you're about to fall. Like that that's a very empowering feeling to have just knowing like you're supported by other women and other people who who are in the same uh space as you.
1: It's so interesting that you say that today Lauren because earlier before our interview I was working on an article I'm writing about that very thing and I I my kind of my paradigm of it is the, is the idea of micro-communities and how incredibly important micro-communities are for women thought leaders. And what I mean when I talk about a micro-community is an intentional, small group, kind of a a group in a safe container that facilitates intimacy and facilitates connection. And I was really excited to discover that there's Research that's been done that shows that one of the ways that women behaviorally respond to stress in a way that tends to be different than men and different than our kind of physiological uh, fight, flight, or freeze stress response is that there's this behavior that the researcher, her name is Shelley E. Taylor, calls tend and befriend, Hmm. which is where women tend to engage in kind of protective nurturing activities and relying on social networks to facilitate them. And I think that's so interesting and in that there aren't a ton of, I haven't found, and I identify as an outgoing introvert, but I haven't found a lot of solutions or a lot of opportunities to build this kind of, to have this micro community experience where I can kind of tend and befriend. I haven't found a lot of opportunities for that. And one of my solutions has been, is the women leaders Roundtable series that I host but I was writing about that this just this morning. And so it's so interesting, Lauren, that you mentioned it today, like how important these communities are for us to, to thrive.
0: Oh, my goodness. I love that this just kind of came full circle, too, because I don't think that I realized I can personally say the podcast community for me has been my most favorite mm, work awesome. community, you know, like just career community that I have ever been part of. But it started as a very lonely journey, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. Mac was actually the one who was like, you should start a podcast. And I was like, challenge accepted. So (laughs) so like I had him, but like, we were both very new on the podcast journey. I didn't really know what to do. And a friend of mine had a podcast and she was like, you should join this, this group um, that I'm part of. And now this group is, is massive, right? It's not small by any means, but it's connected me with the women that, now are like part of that smaller community, right? So it's like, awesome. "Oh my gosh, the the host is down, like what are we doing?" You know, just and we're all yeah. over the world. Some are in Bali, California, I'm in Florida. So just having that it's you can almost have a event, right? Like you you can vent in a safe space. You can bounce ideas off of that. You can kind of have that, "Hey, this isn't working for me. I just need an outside opinion." Someone who's not in my space to just give me that fresh outside look, it is so beneficial and needed. And I love that you're holding this with your round tables to elevate this need for the small communities, because how powerful is that going to be in
1: the future for women and girls alike? I, it's really interesting. And I was so, and I was so excited to find out this stress research because, you know, I think There, you know, stressful events happen in everyone's life of all identities, of all, you know, types of jobs, et cetera. But I I feel that there's something uniquely kind of long-term chronically stressful about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like (laughs) you're constantly like putting yourself out there. You're kind of going to school in public with everything you're doing online. You are putting, you know, trying to get new clients, you're making sales, you're you're really constantly up-leveling your kind of mental space and sort of your kind of inner thermostat of what you believe you're capable of and what you believe you deserve to do and to have in terms of your success and your wealth and your authority. And that is, in you know, the way it it seems to me is it's sort of like this low level constant, I guess, state of stress is a strong word, but they are, there are frequent, slightly stressful experiences, right? and sometimes really big stressful experiences, but what I have found so powerful about being in micro communities with other women peers who are going through the same things and who are challenging themselves in similar ways is it's, it's so validating and, and reassuring to be in these communities and to, and to feel this connection with other people who are kind of in the same game and i do and it, so so it was very interesting to see that there's research that shows that this is a way that women have historically or i yeah i guess like evolutionarily dealt with stress.
0: Yes, i think it makes a lot of sense and i love that you touched on validation and just feeling va- validated within that because uh, you're so right. the The entrepreneur journey, it just never stops. You know, like my no, partner, like it never does. Know, like it goes to a nine to five job, comes home, like you're done, right? Like your your brain is shut off after that until you have to go back to work. I don't ever feel like my brain turns off. I even wake up sometimes and I'm like. <gasps> that's a good idea. Like you're from, Mm -hmm. from asleep. And then it's, I'm, I'm excited and I want to start working. And it's like, I can't get this idea out of me. And, and while sometimes that's very rejuvenating other times when you're in those ruts and you're uninspired, something's not selling You're you know, just having a crap day. You feel alone, like just very lonely. Um, all of those things can start building up and it can almost, I think can, make you have that two-way street of like, okay, do I go back to my nine to five or do I just kind of go through the trenches? And for me, my motivation is to never go back to a nine to five. So I'm like, I'll just keep going through those trenches. But if you have that micro community, it's like cheering you on. Like I've been there. This helped me try this or, you know, just, just being that person to just listen. So Mm. you can just kind of, you know, clear your plate a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. so powerful. So I love that you found that there's studies behind this because I'm interested just to learn more and see how this, this grows and expands.
1: Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that so interesting? I
0: was just really
1: excited about
0: it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. So I know we're getting a little bit short on time and um, I feel like there's so much more that I want to (laughs) unpack, but I know that our audience will gain so much more from you if they connect with you. So tell them where they can go to
1: connect with you further and learn more about you. Sure. Yeah. Well, you have heard now that I'm only available on LinkedIn. So if you're a social media person and you're also on LinkedIn, I would love to connect with you so you can send me a connection request and just, you know, drop me a note and let me know that you heard me on Lauren's show. I love making new friends and yeah, I'd be delighted to connect that way. The second way you can connect with me is by going to fivemagneticpillars.com. That's the number five and then magnetic pillars are spelled out. And that's my short free email course about the five pillars of magnetic thought leadership content. And so you'll learn more about, you know, what magnetic thought leadership is. But the other thing that I like to about that is every, you know, and when you reply to any of those emails, you'll get directly into my inbox. And I love, um, you know, writing is my love language. And so I love Aww. corresponding with people. So if you, if you're into like that kind of connection, then email me.
0: Perfect. I love that. I'll be sure to link both your LinkedIn and the five minute magnetic pillars um, website in the episode notes so that everyone can just have an easy click and check it out. But Eva, you are full of so much passion and wisdom. Thank you for joining me today and sharing your light.
1: Thank you, Lauren. It was really good to be here with you and your audience. Eva was gracious enough to invite me
0: to join one of her roundtables, and I am pumped to do that soon. I'll keep you posted. But in the meantime, be sure to connect with Eva. I have shared the direct link to her website and mentioned freebie on this week's episode notes found on MindBizLife.com. And hey, don't forget to connect with me while you're getting social. I am on Instagram and Twitter at MindBizLife. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and be sure to leave the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in and turn it up. I'm back on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday, but until then, remember every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.